0: Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Uh, what do I do with these butterflies that are like all uh, stuck in here before I go run a game?
1: Um, I mean, did they go through like a metamorphosis period first? Did they have the cocoon? Oh,
0: God, I don't did know. They... I don't want a cocoon inside <laughs> me. I just <laughs> thought they appeared as butterflies. Oh, oh, gross. Cute music. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host who's grossed out about the idea of butterflies (laughs) growing inside of me, Phil... (laughs)
1: and I am your other host, Senda, who couldn't come up with anything else in response to his butterfly statement, so that's what you all got.
0: <laughs> and welcome to another pandemic episode uh, in these quarantines, uh, a reminder that we are neither editing nor writing these episodes, uh, so you get what you get, um, and apparently enough of you like it that you haven't gone anywhere, which... Tells us two things. One, thank you so been, very much for staying firstly, with us during much. these yeah, yeah, yeah. quarantines. And Secondly, two,
1: We've been putting way too much effort into the show.
0: <laughs> yeah, two. We're probably never going back from. We
1: we're working way too hard. Why didn't y'all say something? <laughs> Apparently,
0: we were fine just like this. Anyway, uh, so yes, this is another. This is another one of our pandemic episodes where we're kind of taking it easy, but still. Uh, talking about game stuff, and we uh, stumbled onto a uh, we stumbled onto a topic for tonight. Do you want to tell us a little bit about our topic?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So the released podcast um, tagged us into the RPG for life or <laughs> RPG for life. I mean, yes, I do play RPGs for life, for but life. that's not actually the hashtag. So the RPG Life UK hashtag um, posted by Simat this last week. Um, about storytelling and the prompt was uh, many blog nope wow normally i would edit, edit this but you know what you just get it straight that's just how this works nowadays okay we're gonna try it again many vlogs podcasts and books show players how to gm but nothing on how to tell a great story to be up in front of people and strangers what wisdom can you pass on for potential gms to do that thing to deal and to cope so, uh, the released podcast tagged us into that cause they wanted to hear, uh, what we might have to say about it. And we have some things to say about it.
0: We do indeed. Right. So we're going to look at two things, one of which one, we're going to look at a little bit more than the other. So, uh, we're going to talk about stage fright and kind of yep. overcoming stage fright. Yep. Uh, and then we're also going to talk a little bit at the end about storytelling. Yes. Yeah. But I think, I think the majority of tonight's talk is going to be kind of settled on, um, stage fright. So I guess we should probably do a quick little definition.
1: Yeah, sure. Let's define stage fright. (laughs) Sure. Um,
0: I think, I mean, we've all heard the term before. I think we all have a pretty good understanding, but stage fright is uh, that fear of performing in front of other people. Uh, So depending on your background, um, this could be, you know, the school play, this could be a concert if you play an instrument, um, this could be, uh, like if you are like my children, this could be, uh, getting up and, um, doing a, either performance or a test for, uh, in martial arts, right? Whatever it is, it's the activity of, it's the anxiety that comes with performing in front of an audience and so that holds true also for gms because gming is a performance uh, yeah
1: can i add two things to that yeah please do so i think one thing that specifically differentiates stage fright from um a lot of different varieties of nerves or anxiety that we experience. Is that it tends to be because we're about to get up in front of a bunch of people? It tends to be very specifically about messing up in front of people and being judged. Right? Sure,
0: I think that's yes. <laughs> I, I, so I I think when I think if we unpack what anxieties you have about getting up and performing, right? right. I think you two I,
1: fears, right? They usually like
0: yeah. So the two, of, so the one is, and I guess we can break them apart, right? So the one is. Uh, something will go wrong, right? I so, will it,
1: forget my line, forget
0: your lines. Yep, absolutely.
1: I hate that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, the other one is that people will not like what you're doing,
1: or you will mess up and then they will judge you for messing well, up. So, they also work together,
0: <laughs> right? But they also work apart, right? And like, they work maybe apart, you're yes. not messing up. And people don't like don't your don't performance, like you. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those two things, um, those two things can haunt you a lot, right? And and it can be, uh, and this is, I think, part of the reason why this prompt came up, they can be a barrier for people for getting into GMing.
1: Yeah, I agree. There's, and I will say, for me at least personally, and based on the way that other people also describe it. It has a stereotypical physical way of manifesting, which is I get nauseous.
0: <laughs> That's the butterfly part, right? Like the, <laughs> yes. the, the so the fluttering heart, uh, yeah. clammy, clammy, like sweaty, hands sweaty, and clammy. Like
1: my tummy doesn't feel good.
0: Right, and a lot of this and again, this is going to stretch my, um, my biology days, but a mm. lot of this is the fight or flight response, right? This yeah. is the adrenaline. This is the, um, this is the nervousness. And, and the reason we're worried about messing up is that the fight or flight response also kind of quashes some of your higher level thinking right? Yes. So if yes. you full on panic, right? Yeah. And that's not, you know, like if you full on panic, that's how you blank out and yes. forget your lines.
1: <laughs> I'm so fucked. I'm Yeah. So yep.
0: <laughs> So what we're so what we're talking about tonight is and we're going to just call it stage fright because I don't want to make up like a name like GM fright or something. Like it's stage no, fright. No, it
1: is. It's stage fright. Yeah. And,
0: and stage fright comes in a number of different varieties, right? Like as long as you are in front of a group of people and performing and nervous about either messing up, um, or them judging you, you can insert a whole bunch of different situations into this and they all wind up applicable. Yes. Uh, because you, um, in your past were a theater kid. Mm-hmm. I never was, but, um, I was in the sciences where having to speak about papers and experiments and things like that was a thing. Yes. So, um, so we both experienced stage fright in different places and then, um, and then also experienced it to some degree as, as GMs.
1: As GMs. And then like, I mean, and I don't know, I don't actually know if you experienced it like this or not, but certainly when I first started podcasting, having a mic in my face was not a thing that made me feel very relaxed. It sure doesn't bother me anymore.
0: So it was But wasn't, do you
1: remember? Has it been too long?
0: <laughs> no, but it wasn't podcasting for me because remember, in my background, I was a college DJ before i was before i pod. by the time
1: did you but you were already comfy with mics by the the time time i by the
0: time i was ready to podcast yeah yeah. i was like this is a mic and this isn't even live (laughs) right (laughs) like i could fix this later right like i was i was on (laughs) so when i was in college i i was a, a dj at the college radio station and um i guess you know i'll you know i'll tell that in a second when we talk about getting over stage fright. but no so for me it wasn't being nervous about podcasting i got nervous like i was nervous before that but it was also performing it was just being a dj
1: yeah
0: okay so cool so i think we've set up the i think we've set this up correctly right we've we've talked about stage fright, we've talked about that fear of messing up, we've talked about the anxiety of being judged, and we have kind of defined it as being a thing that's applicable in a number of situations. But specifically for tonight's talk, we're going to talk about it in terms of game mastering. But the reason why we're talking about it in a general sense is that if you, and this is be like a little secret for the episode, if you can combat it in one setting. Oh, yeah. You can tend to get over it in other settings.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: and and, thing. and I think before we jump into the tips, I think what I want to talk about is that you never completely get rid of stage fright.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that was my secret. My secret is. Um, while I'm like perfectly comfortable having a mic in my face nowadays, um, when I am GMing or something, especially at a a con where I don't know people or whatever, like, do I still get a little bit of stage fright? Absolutely. I do. The secret is that it never completely goes away and that's okay. It's just, the goal is to have a manageable amount of stage fright that doesn't actually prevent you from doing the things that you want to do.
0: Right. And so... I think what we're going to talk about as we as this as we unpack this discussion is really two things, right? There is acclimation. Yes. Right? So there's becoming comfortable with that feeling of anxiety and not letting it override you and put you into full fight fight or flight. Yep. And then there is um so there's acclimation and uh. I'm trying to think but, what the other one. Acclimation and uh, well, I forgot the other one. Anyway, acclimation pre- being probably pre- the pre- most important.
1: Preparation? No, no. What did you say? Um I don't know. We didn't come up with these words. No, no, in I'm advanced. just
0: I'm just doing this like right off the top of my head. I know, but um, acclimation
1: is a really good word.
0: <laughs> well no, so accla- so acclimation's part of it, right? So acclimation is the um you can function despite being nervous. And then I yeah. guess I guess the other word, I guess the other one we'll use is mitigation, which is. Sure. What are the things I can do to make myself uh, less Less nervous? nervous. And and the thing is, you will wind up needing some combination of these two things.
1: And everyone is different about which things work better for them. Because I will tell you... Despite my best efforts, and frankly, at this point, four years of therapy, I don't function on nerves. I just don't. And that's the way that my life is. And so for me, the pendulum sways very much into mitigation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) less than acclimation, right? I mean, there's a little bit of acclimation, but it swings very heavily into mitigation for me. So also, this is like, you know, find the balance that works for you.
0: Exactly. Um, Yes. So... All of that said, this is a very real thing. Um, I I think I can comfortably say, having be, having be having been a new GM years ago, um, and an old GM now, uh, that it is something that, in some form or another, is with you um, throughout your GMing career.
1: I live inside you forever. No.
0: Like, no. I don't...
1: <laughs> I'm just having a TikTok moment. No, it's Carry fine. Carry on.
0: Um, <laughs> like, I don't get nervous running games for my home group. Right. Right. Like, I don't even think about that. Like, that's right. just, like, I just, like, jump into the game and we're, we're fine. Now, I will say that I'm sometimes concerned that they're not having fun. But, I, but it's not irrational. Right? Like, yeah. it's not panicky. Um, but if I'm running con games... Oh, I still totally get butterflies. Like
1: oh, me too, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I totally. And I you know, with coming up on coming up on forty years of GMing. Um, Good
1: heavens. Well, aren't you. I a spring chicken?
0: Coming up on forty years of GMing.
1: I'm only um, coming up on twenty years of gaming. Like whatever. I
0: still get a little fluttery about running for strangers. Um, you
1: got cocoons just growing in there all the time. That's what I'm waiting, talking about. It's
0: gross. That's a really bad analogy. Out. <laughs> all right, I think we have a couple things now that we've kind of set up some some groundwork here. Um, what do you got in the notes in our little hastily written notes to lead yeah. us? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I think we're gonna jump into some tips that we both use, or like some of the things that we each use um, to help us mitigate. And I think these are mostly mitigation tips. I'm
0: just going to ask you: Are we are we doing the first part here? Is this about how we initially got over?
1: Oh, did you? I thought we sort of we kept going. No, let's do that initial part. Okay, Sorry. let's
0: let's do that. Let yeah. So
1: backing back it up, roll beep the train backwards. Beep beep. beep. <laughs> Good. So we're going to talk about how we kind of initially got over it because see, I already said the thing I was going to say, which is that I didn't. In fact. But um, you,
0: but you but you kind of well, did
1: I have, in certain circumstances, which is the thing, right, like yeah, but it's it's so it 's really interesting, I am a theater kid, I'm a theater kid who had to take a bunch of acting classes because you are required to take acting classes um to be a theater kid, but I am a technical theater kid, and i 'm a technical theater kid for a reason, and that reason is when I am relying on my brain to functionally provide me with things like memorized lines and I am feeling nervous. That is when my brain blanks out, not a fan, but, um, I am much better at not worrying about having to remember something, which makes me much less nervous and just improving it, which gosh, it's like my GMing does that too. So, um, So the thing that I kind of learned is like I I spent a reasonable amount of time on stage in front of people, both in high school and in college. I did not particularly enjoy it, which is like why I'm like I'm not an actor. But I spent a lot of time on stage as a younger child and didn't have a problem with it, um, but also got Super Stage Friday um, and then discovered that I could be involved in other ways that still like were, you know, in the performance um, and, and went that way with it, which was interesting um, the thing that definitely did it for me was not um, being forced into more acting classes. It was definitely being more and more comfortable with improvising because if I don't have to remember something, I am much better at coming up with it in the moment than I am at trying to keep it all in my head while I'm nervous.
0: How can you possibly forget it if it was never in there to begin exactly. with?
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's true. You And so this is... Just like a little sidebar here. This is why I am terrible at game mechanics because I can read that book five times and not remember that key rule in the middle of the thing that I need it for because I get nervous and it's gone and then I have to look it up again, right? And this is why I don't run pre-run adventures because even if I went through and I prepped them the way that you have been prepping them with like highlights and notifications and all of those things, when I got nervous actually running it and trying to keep track of all that stuff and trying to remember it, it would be gone. And I would basically be like starting from scratch as if I had never read it. Um, So like those are are actually two things on... Specifically, why certain times of types of game prep don't work for me, and it is because of the way that my particular body and brain work with stress, anxiety, and nerves, and how that mixes with being in front of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you say that because I know one of the things that happens to you in highly charged emotional situations is that you actually don't um, often, you aren't often able to recall what happened.
1: Yeah, like I, I'm when I say I shut down. Um, yeah, you... I shut down exactly like, if I don't write things down, even just having conversations that I know are going to bring up emotional stuff, but that I know I need to have because I need to get answers about things or whatever. If I don't write this stuff down, like. Is gone. And, you know, that is worse now because I have some particular conditioning that I'm, you know, working with in my life because we all move through life and gather more baggage as we go. But I've never been someone who has excelled um, at logical, remembered, um, planned stuff in high states of adrenaline. I never, ever have been. I am a freeze response adrenaline person. I am not an action response adrenaline person. And that means that when the adrenaline hits, me remembering things is like, ah! <laughs>
0: ah! Right, so it's. It, I think what's really interesting about this is because of that, your GMing style has adapted to that.
1: It has, because I know that I know exactly the kind of thing that I can keep in my mind, and and this this spreads into our tips stuff, right?
0: Well, so yeah, I don't want to spread to keep yeah, it save that uh, a for bit the tips controlled.
1: part. But um, but it it basically is like I, I I'm I'm pretty aware of the kind of information that I can retain versus the kind that I can't retain. And um, and so my prep, the actual game prep that I do, and this has a lot of influence on how I prep games, right? The kind of game prep that I do is very specifically the kind of stuff that I can, A, remember, or B, make up if I forgot it, or C, draw the same conclusion that I drew when I was prepping it, even though I've forgotten it, I'm doing it again in the moment, right? like True. <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, it makes complete sense. So
1: yeah, that's like that. That it drives a lot of how I manage all of that stuff, how I and and how I game in general, and definitely how I GM. And that's why I tend to be going back to our proactive versus reactive episodes in the article that I wrote um, about those concepts. Um, that is why I personally tend to be a reactive GM.
0: So what I think is really interesting is that I think I'm going to tell in a second. I'm going to tell my story, and I think it's going to wind up being very true for me and very different from I, from yours
1: right? I know that it will be I, I mean I know that it will be because I think that you're I know that you can GM like me now right but like your default GM style and what made you comfortable for a very long time was, was really not that. not that no right yeah so go for it
0: okay so I actually um, I actually did have um, terrible stage fright. Um, all the way up until college. So, uh, by the time I got to my junior year of college, I had um, I had gotten through a few public speaking things terribly um, in <laughs> high school lot, and things it's not like a that. Lot of
1: fun because you have to memorize things.
0: <laughs> I did not enjoy it. Right, Ugh. I did not enjoy that kind of experience. Uh, but I was heading into. I was going. I was on a track to head into grad school. And so, um, a group of my professors that were mentoring me—there were three of them—decided uh, that I needed to get over my uh, fear of speaking. Oh, and boy. in one month, uh, signed me up for four speaking events um, where I had to talk on a on a variety of topics to. Uh, various groups: some people being experts, some people being novices. Things like, like I gave a talk to the American Chemical Society about um, dye formations and enzymatic um, dye markers for biological assays and things like that. And um, I gave, like, anyway, four talks in four weeks. Uh, so I learned to get over stage fright through acclimation, right? Like, I learned to get through it by basically, I didn't die the first day <laughs> on the first talk, and I didn't die on the last one. And then I was like, okay, apparently I won't die if I do this, right? So I just, um, like, I just survived it. Um, and was I nervous for the first one? Terribly nervous. Um, but and this goes to my GMing style as well, the way I combated being nervous about it was I gave that talk in my dorm room probably eight times.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> right? Like, I gave it to an empty room. I sat and went through it, and I kind of went through my notes and you know, got really comfortable with it and knew the timing and, and all of that stuff. And um, so preparedness got me, like, that's the mitigation part, which we'll talk about when we talk about tips. But I, I did all those. And then, like we said earlier, um I was also a DJ in college from my sophomore through my senior year. And being a DJ in college, on one hand, is easier because you perform alone in a box, mm-hmm. right? Like, you sit in the DJ booth and there's no one around, and you just do this. Like, you talk to a microphone. Uh, but... <laughs> Except that I was broadcasting my stuff yeah. out over a actual ra- like fairly large area of Western New York, based on the antenna from the FM station that I I used to work at. Um, that was um, Rochester, which is an hour east of where I live now, all the way into Canada. So it had some reach, um, but that had the added challenge that not only did you have to be. Able to speak, you technically had to be able to run everything as well. Yeah. Without messing things up, right? Like you had to be able to cue music and do those like cool DJ cuts because I uh, was a DJ in a time before uh, Skynet um, (laughs) DJ'd. So like you did all that shit manually. Yep. So in the course of a few years of college, I very quickly. Um, became acclimated to performance, even though I was a big science nerd. Uh, I became acclimated to it. And then right out of college uh, into my first couple jobs, I had to start doing um, public presentations and that's actually never stopped. I, um, in pre COVID times are usually good for two to three, two to three talks a year at various conferences Um, And I've given, you know, small talks at very small conferences. I have spoken um, to some fairly large groups like all the project managers at an aerospace company, um, those kinds of things. And, um, And so, ironically, I did more public speaking than I did running games for strangers for the longest time. Um I didn't actually like running games for um for strangers for the for the longest time like it was only until I got into podcasting and publishing for
1: the longest time. Thanks.
0: Uh, Carry on only, that was
1: just background music. Thanks.
0: <laughs> it wasn't until I got into podcasting and publishing where running games at cons and stuff was you know important and I finally was like fine I will run games for strangers. Like up to that point, I just ran games for friends, (laughs) Um, which, you know, was never anxiety producing because they're your friends and like,
1: It wasn't. Oh boy. It was anxiety producing for me.
0: I say that like the first time I ran for these guys, I'm sure I was nervous, but
1: now it's been so long you don't remember.
0: It doesn't need like it doesn't register. Like if I change the chemistry of my group, I'm always a little nervous, but then like it shakes back out. Anyway, um, so yeah. So for me, my route was um, like I don't recommend it for everyone, but mine was like trial by fire.
1: i mean there's a little bit of that and and i and i have to just i have to admit that like i don't get the same level of butterflies gming that i used to right
0: oh no no me neither but i still get them
1: i still totally get them uh especially at cons but like you know i i used to get even like shaky and stuff but it was one of those but i just did it anyway
0: (laughs) now do you want to know do you want to know where i get the most butterflies Where is Metatopia?
1: Oh my God, Metatopia.
0: (laughs) Right? Because Metatopia is not only am I going to GM for this group of people, uh, but the fear of will they like this? It's the
1: judging part. Right? Like
0: that's out of, (laughs) like that's through the roof because I'm literally putting either something that's never been vetted before. Here's my baby. (laughs) Here's my baby.
1: Is it broken?
0: Is it ugly? Like, is it, (laughs) is it pretty? Is it ugly? Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. Metatopia, like even like when we first went to Metatopia, I was pretty scared about running my first adventures at Metatopia. Yeah. Um, just for that reason. Right. And what I really like, and this is, um, I will drift into tips in a second, but my, my mitigation for that is that you and I play test together.
1: Yeah, it helps a lot.
0: (laughs) It helps a lot because I know. We're not
1: alone.
0: (laughs) I know there's somebody here. Um, And in the early days, when we play tested, you would actually play. Yeah. But in later years, um, we would take turns uh, GMing. Like when we did Ditch Lilies, we co-GMed that game.
1: And it was actually great because here's the thing about us ki- co gming in a situation right that has the potential for high stage fright. Because the thing is, if I forget something, you're going to remember it.
0: <laughs> yes, and if I get lost looking for something, you I will jump in and take going. it going.
1: Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes it, uh, we are very. It actually um,
1: works really well.
0: <laughs> we are very well teamed up for. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: It 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 went. Pretty smoothly when we started experimenting with it last year.
0: Yeah, it was um, it
1: was very pleasing. And
0: <laughs> well, maybe that's a maybe that's another thing that um, we don't often talk about. But maybe the other way you get over your stage fright is don't GM alone.
1: Yeah, you don't have to do it by yourself.
0: We, we, did, a whole, uh, we did a whole last series. year. Yeah. We did a whole series about well, co-GMing,
1: focused on very detailed co-GMing negotiation. Which yes. hilariously, when we actually did it for the Ditch Lilies, we did not implement to that like level. I'm but gonna, we haven't actually truly... G- I'm going to suggest to you... Yeah.
0: Or not suggest, but my memory is that we recorded those episodes after Metatopia. Oh,
1: you're right. Because we were going to do it at Origins. But there was no Origins this year.
0: But Pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, Ugh. so... Uh, we've both talked about how we kind of got over it. Let's talk about a few tips. Um, Just a few tips on how you kind of survive it day to day, like survive it game to game now.
1: Yeah. Do you want to jump back and forth? or Because these are probably pretty quick. We could just go down each
0: of our lists. Yeah, just blast through yours, and then I'll blast through mine.
1: Cool. Okay. Um, So for me... The things that, um, and these are pretty much mitigation things for me, right? And I think these are, when we talk about tips, I think we're pretty much talking about mostly mitigation. Um, and, And so for me, there's a little bit of prep, right? prep does it, but for me that prep takes the form of, as I was sort of starting to say before, basically understanding the starting point of the story um, without having to know how it will go or remember how it ends or remember to keep track of like something that has to thread through it or all of that stuff like that will happen for me at the table as long as I understand where the story starts and what the opposition is that is going to drive this forward as the characters react to it I don't need to plan anything else and I can keep that much in my poor little lizard brain when the adrenaline hits
0: or on the post-it note
1: or well that's the other part right because if it's on a post-it note I don't have to flip through a bunch of pages (laughs) to find it or to try to remember it like I don't the last time I was the most anxious GMing actually was when I ran your adventure for part-time gods of fate and I was trying to remember your adventure. And I was like, blah. And like halfway through, I was like, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> I can't remember all the details because I couldn't find all this stuff fast enough to react to it when I wanted to. Oh, in sure. The game. Right. And I can't remember it when it's in my head. Um, So hilariously, that is on the um, RPG Academy feed somewhere you can catch it. Um, But that was probably the most nervous I've been running a game in a long time because I was trying to remember all this stuff. Um, So yeah, it's key to me that I can see at a glance or I know in my heart at a like a glance exactly what the purpose of the game is. And that's why things like lasers and feelings and stuff work really well for me, right? Like when I have a one sentence, this is where it's going, I can, I can hang on to that and I can go with it. So that's the first part of it for me is my version of prep and what that looks like, right? Um, the next one is, um, and I know that Phil really likes these for different reasons, but for me, cheat sheets. Right. Because again, I'm mitigating the need to hunt for rules during the game because I can reference them quickly and I know where they are. And I don't have to keep them in my head where the memory thing stops working when I get nervous. Um, So, you know, basically anything that I can do that is like things that I need to run the game that don't require me to remember them. (laughs) And the secondary part of that, of course, is that There is also a good reason why I tend to run lighter games, right? And why I tend to put less emphasis on heavy mechanical things in the games themselves. And it's because it's either on the cheat sheet or I don't remember it. And that's fine. Um, And the other interesting thing that I do, which is funny because uh, Phil actually had to point it out to me because I forget that I do this all the time. Um, It's both a table control thing for me, which I know I've talked about it in a table control way, but it is also... A way to kind of um, feel like I have some control over the situation personally is I tend to stand when I'm GMing a ton. It feels, it makes me feel like I'm more in charge, and therefore I am more in charge, and therefore I am less nervous. And when I am less nervous, I can remember things better. It's great. Um, so I'm I tend to be a standing GM. I usually stand for at least 50% of every game that I GM. Um, depending on how much my feet hurt and how long I've been at that con, but that's usually about how it goes. <laughs> yeah. What are your tips?
0: Sure. Um, do you remember?
1: So I have them written down if you don't.
0: <laughs> what was that?
1: I have them written down if you don't remember.
0: No, that's fine. Let's see how I do. Yeah. Um. So my first tip has um has a lot to do, and I I I honestly don't remember. Uh, where I got this piece of advice, but I use it for public speaking as well as for GMing at cons and things like that. And that is um, to o- to always be the first person in the room. So for public speaking, like show up to your talking thing before everyone else gets to the room. That way, uh, one, you walk into an empty room, so there's no judgment, right? Like there's no one there, so you walk in clean. Mm -hmm. Um, and then two, every person then comes to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now you, you know, you psychologically much like, uh, much like Obi-Wan Kenobi psychologically, you have the high ground.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. I don't psychologically, I just stand up (laughs) because then I am higher than everyone
0: else. Um, table. (laughs) so I, so the way that translates in the way that translates when I run games for events like cons game days and things like that is, um, I am habitually early to wherever it is. And what I like to do is as soon as possible, I will take my table. So, uh, like for instance, if we're at origins, I don't do anything the hour before I GM, I'll go hang out somewhere, go get a coffee, relax, whatever. But around half hour before my session, I get up and go and find my table. And if no one is running at my table, yeah, I, I will just sit down and start setting everything up.
1: Yep.
0: Right? And then that way, when the time comes around uh, and people start to show up, I'm sitting at the table and I'm in control of the table and people are approaching me. Um, and then sitting down and for me, so where you, so what I, what I find really interesting in this discussion is you prepare to not remember anything.
1: Yes, because I'm not going to remember anything. (laughs) I
0: am. So, so the thing that I learned, right. So the lesson that I learned from getting over my stage fright was as long as I feel like I'm in control. I can take, I can keep everything moving. Right. So for me, it's really important to establish a level of control and comfort and then I'm fine. So that's like, I like to be there first. Right. So when I, when I'm, when I'm publicly speaking, I am standing at the podium as people are coming in the room. And then I like have a quick chit chat with them in those minutes before the talk. And, um, and that puts me at ease right? Because I'm in control of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I like that. And to complement that, um, the other thing I do is I prep. Now, I've said this on many in many occasions, right? First of all, prep is whatever it is you need to be comfortable in order to run the game. So, when I run games for conventions, I have pretty do I want to stay extensive, um, but I have detailed notes and I do them all in bullets because I don't look to try to read paragraphs um, in a con situation. Or even when I run regular games, I do everything in bullet points, headers and bullets. Um, I don't make myself adhere to them past a certain point in the game, but I have them so that and this is my training from being a um, DJ in college is that, and and this actually goes to my prep and to my cheat sheets, is no dead air. Yeah. Right? That's the thing that when I was on the radio, um, they were pretty aggressive about beating into you was no dead air. And I forget what the stat is, but it's like within 10 or 15 seconds of a radio station going silent, people will just change to the next radio station. So no dead air. It's why on the mics, if there's a technical problem, like on, like when we do misdirected mark or something, I'll just just start start talking, Talking. right? Um, Because I will just I will fill. Like I have been conditioned to be terrified of that space, Um, and the same thing is true when I run games. I do not want to not know what to do. So my prep for a game is sometimes more extensive than if I was running a home game. And I likely won't use all of it, and I don't care, right? Because the prep did the job it needed to, which was to get me to the table in a calm manner so that I could run. And then the cheat sheets for me is that I will remember that there is a rule, but I play so many games, (laughs) which... We had a long talk about this, and we're not going to get into the show, but the the more correct term might be pan gamerist, not poly Right. It might be. Right. But in either case, whichever one of those I am, and I think I am actually both. Yep. um, Agree. My problem is, it's (laughs) not that I'm going to blank on the rule. It's that I've played so many games that I know there's a rule, but it's doubtful I'm going to remember the exact parts of it. Like, I'm running three games right now, and I can't remember the skill lists for oh, any between, of my like, games. Oh, between like
1: DCC and like Forbidden Lands, though. Like, I, no wonder. I mean, they're I, close.
0: I constantly like. Well, one, there is no skill list in DCC, okay, but like, okay. I can never remember the skill list in in Forbidden Lands. Right? Like, I'm like. Make a sneak, stealth, sneak, hidey check, whatever that is. Like, I think you guys know what I want. Just go make that roll. Tell me what it is. Right. So having a cheat sheet allows me to remember which game I'm running, and that helps me immensely because if I do remember which game I'm running and I'm kind of dialed in again, I'll I I then you feel control. Everything about my gming for strangers is to remain calm. If See, I just I'm gave com- up
1: on remaining calm. Right, right. With, You're just like, well, I'm calm's gonna forget not everything possible. anyway. So, like, right. what do I do to mitigate that one? And happen? exactly,
0: Your, <laughs> right. Yours is like, yours is like, it's it's definitely gonna. I'm just not gonna be calm. So, how do I just work around that? And yeah, mine is like, exactly. <laughs> right, at mine is like, I will be calm. Here are the handful of things I need to to just stay to stay level. calm. Yes, yeah. so so that's where cheat sheets and, and prep come in for me. Is is again, it's maintaining the feeling of control. And I will tell you, um, and I think this is a, to the same thing that you said. A lot of this are the little bullshit mental games that I play oh, with yeah. myself. Oh, yeah. in order to feel <laughs> like I'm in control. Like that little thing about being in the room first, that little bullshit works for me, so I just go with it. Like well, and I, I,
1: I feel like I should state because I feel like you may have glossed past it a little bit. It's not just that you're in the room first. Oh. It's that it's in you're in the room, and you have pulled out the packet of arranged papers, and you have laid out the table in a very specific way. Right, and you have your things in a very specific place, and your dice in a very specific place, and the things for the players are arranged very specifically to be accessible in the right way. What's right? the French word for that? <laughs> mise en place. <laughs> yes, mise en
0: place. Yes, I, I am a big, I am a big fan of that. Right, um, it helps me maintain control if I don't have to look for something on the table.
1: Yeah, like so that my is, dice. That's part of the mind game. Right, yeah, it is
0: absolutely control. part of the mind game, right? Like my dice are always to the left of me. <laughs> like I know, like even just when we, as soon as I set it, my hand moved to my, like my hand moved out to my left Yeah, you're because like, yes, that's, that's where, where I keep dice my dice up. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then cards and stuff over to the right. And then notes in the middle, that kind of thing. Yes, iPad. I have a very yes. like i have a, I have a very formatted way of laying out my table for a game. By the way, this should come as no shock to you that that <laughs> is exactly what I do when I cook.
1: Uh yeah, I've seen. I know what cutting board <laughs> you got for Christmas last year. It has the one with
0: the measuring
1: lines you know. on it to tell you the difference between diced, chopped. I don't
0: even know what else. I know I'm. My knife work has a lot to. My knife work has a lot to be desired. But here's the <laughs> thing, I um I am one who very much, uh, especially if it's a new recipe, m- very much so if it's a new recipe, I will do all the prep, and I will have a hundred little bowls lined up, um on my counter, and then I will start cooking. So that all I have to do is like grab an ingredient. And pour it in. Like I look like a fucking cooking show when I cook. It, <laughs> um, if I'm comfortable with a thing, it's a little more loosey goosey. Oh
1: yeah, I've turned. I turn real messy with things I'm comfortable. Yeah,
0: with. I'm. I tend not to be right. Like the way because if I lose control and panic while I'm cooking, I will screw something up. So the way I stay in control is everything is laid out, <laughs> and then I just move from thing like. I don't trust myself to be able to chop this thing fast enough before this thing needs it, or I'm going to burn it. So I just chop it, put it in a little bowl, right? Like you can tell anytime I've done a new recipe because there's like 500 of those little square bowls, like <laughs> like in the sink, because I just sat there and like, you know, measured everything Chopped out anyway.
1: Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure. So for me, um, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I do as one of my tips is, I do know how I like the I, how I like my space laid out. Um, again, it goes back to that no. It goes back to not only no dead air, but it's my comfort zone. Things are where I expect them to be, mm-hmm. um, so I don't have to think about them. It also ties into getting to the table first, because if I show up to the table and everybody's already sat down and put their stuff out, and I now have to try to fit my stuff.
1: Then you can't put in, it the way that you want to, and you're not in control of it. I know.
0: It's all... It's like
1: I've been playing with you for a while at conventions.
0: It is all just little head games to make it work. <laughs> the thing is, it works. So I guess as I'm coming to the end of mine, and we're coming to the end of this, and honestly, we're... I think we're only going to just speak for just a few moments. Just about a
1: second here on storytelling. storytelling, but it's quick because we've we've talked about a lot of this stuff
0: right before. Um, right. But just to kind of sum up, you're going one. You're not going to die from performing and GMing, right? So that's first thing. Like you're not going to die. Two, you're going to find little things that work for you, right? Little quirks, um, little superstitions, little habits, whatever. Some people would tell you you should just get over them. I'm going to tell you the opposite. Yeah. Just embrace them. Like if 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 the little <laughs> like if the little trick about if the little trick about showing up first would also make you feel comfortable, do that. If standing up is going to make you feel comfortable, stand up. Don't don't um you're not going to erase this feeling. You're just going to beat it,
1: yeah. You're, right, like you are. You're mitigating it. These are you're mitigation going, right, techniques. You're right, you're going
0: to win this battle, yes. right? Between between being so afraid that you won't run and running. Yeah. So take whatever allies you got to take with you. Yeah. Right, like whatever that is. Prep. Um gm prep, screen
1: not uh, prep it's really funny that not prep is the not answer prep for me.
0: <laughs> uh your lucky big die like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what it is if that's the thing that helps you get your game going um then yeah just do it it's fine it's <laughs> totally fine all right uh quick Last piece onto that thing, because we really focused, and I think I really liked having our discussion about stage fright, but a little bit about storytelling. Um, I'll really quickly give a tips, a couple tips on storytelling if you want to tack to it as well. Sure. Um, I think the way that you become a good storyteller, and this is, uh, for me, this ties into a lot of the things I talk about when we talk about genre, is um, one, you got to consume, right? You got to <laughs> consume media. You got to see how other people are telling stories. And then you got to look at, you got to, you got to first register what you like. Like, I like this kind of storytelling. I don't like this kind of storytelling. And then you got to dissolve it. What is it you like about this storytelling? Is it that this story, like these stories are always told in media res, or they're always told as flashbacks, or they use this narrative structure, whatever that is. So, consume, decompose, and then incorporate. The last part being, once you understand what it is you like, like, oh, I really like this. I really like this TV show because it often starts in media res, or I like James Bond movies because James Bond movies always start in media res. Um, then look at how you take that and apply it to your game. Right. How can I start my games in media res right. as a quick example?
1: Yep. No, I those think,
0: three steps.
1: I think that's a really good way to approach storytelling. Um, and the only thing that I will kind of just add on there is that storytelling is also an art that you can practice and, um, and it's it's practicing things like practicing describing things, practicing creating the kind of scenes that you have enjoyed in stories, um, and frankly, um, having a vocabulary to be able to do the kind of conversational storytelling that you want to do, whatever that means to you Um But it it does mean it's just another reason to continuously consume stories, right? Um, And and, and heck, to practice writing them and to practice speaking them because it makes you use the words. And the more you use the words, the more comfortable you will be with words.
0: I will say one last thing to that is um, if you have a peer group like other GMs or other creatives, things like that. Um, having the discussions about why you like these things like oh, sometimes yes. great. like, like, that's a thing you and I will often do is like, we'll talk about a show and then we'll talk about like, Oh, what I really like yes. is, you know, like I like that, you know, like I like that Steven universe does this thing.
1: Yes. And then it's like, cool. How would I implement that in a game? Cause it's so neat.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, but it's but sometimes having a peer group, having a friend, having a group of like you know group of people, a Discord channel or whatever, like having a group take apart certain scenes um, is a great way to practice that skill of like of of not just saying like oh I liked this movie, but specifically what did you like in this movie, and then what and then the question I always ask is. What are they what did they do here yeah to make me like this? Those yeah. kinds of things? Yeah cool. So yeah, that I think will that I, that will help you immensely with storytelling. We could probably if people have more questions about storytelling um, and want to send it to us, which will segue nicely into the closing of the show, um, we could certainly expand upon um, that in the future episodes. But in order for us to get to the closing, Uh, We must move past this one barrier, that barrier being talking about another show on the network, and that is Senda's job, so tell us about another show.
1: Yes, on tonight's um, show I'm going to tell you about the Gnomecast, because I just recorded one the other day, so you know that sometime soon you will hear me go very, very long on the Gnomecast again, which is always delightful. Sorry, Rob, but you're awesome anyway. Um, So on the Gnomecast we gather a bunch of gnomes, talk about a topic... Um, sometimes something that we've written articles about and sometimes not right now we're going to be doing a really cool run um, we're gone, we've gone back to the RPG a day um, inspiration words from August and we're doing a run of talking about a bunch of those words um, and asking each other questions about them so um, that's very cool and it's going to be going on for a little bit I think until everybody's had a chance to uh, to jump in who would like to um, so go check those out it's gonna be neat neat stuff
0: I dig it, I dig it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Say, Senda, uh, where do people find us on the internet?
1: Well, you can find us on the... Tw- 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 no, you want to... <laughs>
0: Got a name for that? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You can find us on Twitter (laughs) at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. Or you can find us by dropping us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information?
0: Well, by all means, uh, please let us know what you would like us to talk about. Uh, We uh, really... Try not to do this show based on topics that only we want to talk about. Otherwise, you know, you get all sorts of nonsense. But rather, we like to stay focused and on topic for something that you find interesting because, well, honestly, we're trying to be helpful. And uh, if we can answer people's questions or talk about a topic they find interesting... um, then uh, that's really pleasing to us so um do that um you know or you know even just do what happened here which is like tag us onto somebody else's thing and be like cool thing you right, like i don't know it. pandas what do you think about this like <laughs> that kind of move will get you an episode like <laughs> apparently,
1: here we are it was cool we did it
0: yeah i mean you know if i you know, as soon as I saw it, did I was just, like, "Oh yeah, we're doing this episode." Did you just like, kick your mic? <laughs> I did. Man, you know sorry. I'm not
1: editing this, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Caring anyway, um, anyway, we like we we really like to do shows about the things that you find interesting. So please keep feeding us ideas, and we'll keep doing shows. Now, if you like what we do here, elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign at Patreon.com/slash MMP. Uh, Your patronage goes a long way into keeping the lights on for the network. Um, Everything from bandwidth and backups and um, hosting for, you know, where we put up all the episodes that you download to mics and cords and lights and Zoom accounts and all sorts of nonsense. There's a lot of stuff that goes on um, for making a network. And your patronage helps make all of that possible. That's a... That's a, it's, it's a bigger deal than I think you, than you know. Um, so we appreciate it immensely. Um, if you do wind up um patroning the show, um you're gonna get a couple things. You're gonna get the bonus outtakes from the show, which are pretty damn funny. You're gonna get the after show from Mr. Director Mark. That's a grab bag of I that can be anything from really funny to weird to ranty. Like it's just however we come off that show is what winds up in the after show. Uh but I think right now, in this pandemic times, I think the biggest value you get is access to the Slack Room for Life. Slack Room for Life is our Slack community um it is just full of wonderful humans um that are all just kind of supporting each other right now uh through these times um just having a just having a community of people um where you can talk about games if you like you can talk about media you can talk about just going on what's going on in your life if mean, people you know complaining about work um and everybody's you know there to support them um, and on top of that, you know, that community also has a Friday luncheon, um, which uh, I love. I love having, I look forward every week to um, f- the Friday luncheon where we uh, meet up on Zoom. Uh, you know, a whole bunch, whoever can make it meets up on Zoom. So, and yeah. uh, eats our, we eat our lunches. I mean, Many of us are eating lunch. Some of
1: you do, but for me it is 1030 in the morning, so I do not consume. Second breakfast. yes.
0: <laughs> Second breakfast for you, um, lunch for me, uh, and cocktails for Andrew Dacey, who's yep. <laughs> uh, in the UK, um, who's already starting his weekend by the time he joins the the call. But anyway, it, it's just the Slack Room for Life is just a really nice place. Um, it's very friendly. Um, if you want to talk about shows, you can. If you want to talk about games, you totally can. And if you just want to just hang with people who are just really cool people, um, I love the people in our in our Slack Room. Um, they've done a lot for getting me through these quarantines. Okay, enough of that. Um, if you are already uh, patroning the show, which we thank you very much, um, and if you're unable to, which we totally understand, um, there's still another thing you can do. Um, I talk about it a lot. If you listen to us, you will love us. not really going to go into it in any depth. But again, after you have made everyone in your house listen to our show, there's another thing you can do that helps us immensely. Senda, what is that thing?
1: You could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help people find new shows. Um, Our show, not just new shows, our show. When they go looking for a new show, they might find our show because you reviewed it. Um, It really does help the algorithms and stuff. So we really, really do appreciate it like a lot also it gives us this warm glowy feeling of artistic validation because that whole thing we were just talking about where you're like stage right people are judging you when people say nice things about us it makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside instead of like there are like little butterfly cocoons in our tummies
0: uh yes that (laughs) just gonna Um, keep
1: coming back to that creepy
0: but thank you (laughs) Goof. Are you
1: are you gonna wrap us up from there? What? Thank yeah. you, thank you all who've already left reviews. We really do appreciate them. They give us warm, warm fluttery feelings. It's
0: good. Say, Senda, <laughs> do you think you'll have more stage fright when we eventually go back to conventions?
1: Show me what you got. No idea. Oh, what a thought. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show, 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 show
0: me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. waveforms. Yes, looks good. Woo-hoo. All right, we're on a mission and we're wishing Someone would cure your lonely condition looking for love in all the wrong places. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Not even a clue, huh?
1: I mean, when I guess when you said looking for love in all the wrong places. If you want
0: it, you got it. No? Young MC, bust a move. It's uh,
1: always bust a move, whenever.
0: <laughs> that is the... That, if, oh, the if, you wanted, came back. if you want if you want to know
1: drinking coffee, it's like one o'clock in the morning. If you
0: want to know where Gen Z and millennials separate, <laughs> it's right around that line, right there.
1: Yeah, the I'm, recognition
0: I'm, of Bust a Move.
1: I am actually like one of the. I I actually was watching a TikTok on this the other day. I'm one of the invisible like micro generations. They call them Zenials. <laughs> Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you are. That's me. (laughs) Yeah. You are because you are basically you are on the early end of the millennials. So you are you actually at times at at times there are times where you have more in common with later Gen Xers um, than you do with later millennials. But yes, um, you and I are spaced far enough apart that things like I didn't have a cell phone because there weren't (laughs) any. Yes. Until my 20s. Yes.
1: <laughs> Versus my dad and I shared one when I was in high school. So right. I could call him if I was going to be late coming home from school. Yeah. I mean, it is funky. It's it's funky. Okay. Play the funky music. Okay.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm signaling that we should actually do the show part.
1: I'm stopping. We should do the show now. <laughs> Bloop.
0: <laughs> bum bum. What did you expect me to do with that situation?